Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. I'm so excited for today's guest. Her little one is only two months old and as soon as she announced that she was expecting, I'd actually jotted her name down to ask her to come on when she was ready. She's Gogglebox royalty, a presenter, a former queen of the jungle. We both know what that experience is like. <laughs> but actually, she came to me because she listens to the podcast. She is wonderful, bubbly human. It's Scarlett Moffat. Hello. Oh, thank you. Hello. Honestly, I'm so excited to be on. Like, I've literally been up since the crack of dawn getting excited to be on because this podcast for me during my pregnancy, I don't really have, like, a lot of friends with children. Yeah. So this was sort of like my mum chat. I love that. And also when you are up in the night or whatever you're doing, it is that thing to have those voices that feel like you're on the same wavelength. And for me... When mine were really young, it felt like I was part of an adult conversation, even though I wasn't having them. Yeah. I just feel like, as well, because a lot of my friends with children have children that are, like, 
older. Like, yeah. no one really has any babies. So, like, sometimes when I was asking them for advice, they're like, oh, it's eight years ago, I can't remember. <laughs> so then it was really nice to sort of just tune into you and all your lovely guests and be like, right, I'll make a note of that. Or especially I listen to Montana's as well mm. and, like, it feels like we're all sort of on the same journey, even though everyone's is so individual. Like, it's nice to know that, like, your feelings are validated and that actually you're not going through it alone. Like, there's so many other people when... Because pregnancy as well, like, I really enjoyed my pregnancy, but there were times that were difficult. So it's nice to know that, like, there's nothing wrong with you or anything. Like, that is normal to feel all the emotions when yeah. you're pregnant. Because there are so many parts of it that we don't talk about. You know, because all that we're told is that it's the most amazing thing. Usually we see celebs on sofas, you know, on this morning and stuff, and actually they're there to promote other stuff. Yeah. When the focus gets put onto family life or having a baby, they're like, it's wonderful, and then the conversation yes. moves on. That's all you ever hear because that person is actually there to do a job. They want to keep their private life private. So as a yeah. mum watching that at home, we were just like, oh, my God, they're just saying it's amazing and wonderful. And actually I feel a bit rubbish and dishevelled and I'm not able to put myself together in any way, shape or form. I feel like I'm literally on survival mode, maybe not enjoying it as much as I thought I would. So when you're hearing other people kind of vocalise a little bit of what you're feeling, it's that comfort kind of going, OK, I will get there eventually. And it is not all meant to be or going to be roses. It can't be. Yeah, it's like an ear hug. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like like a, a little hug through ears. your ears. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I do feel really lucky because actually with my pregnancy, up until sort of like 34 weeks, like I didn't really get any symptoms. Oh, really? Honestly, I was like, when is this gonna kick in? Because I'd watch like loads of sort of American movies where like, you know, they run to the bathroom and they're vomiting and like <laughs> the feet are getting swelled and they have to wear all these flip-flops because they can't fit into the shoes and they're having weird cravings like charcoal dipped in chocolate and stuff. <laughs> and I was like, when's this gonna happen? <laughs> like I just feel like me, but like I'm growing at a rapid pace, yeah? Yeah, I was like that. And also I actually just in normal life love salt and vinegar. So I just think I increased my salt and vinegar intake, but just went, I'm pregnant. The baby wants it. I think every time that was my standard go-to, but not because I craved it, but because that's actually what I really liked. Mine was honeydew melons. So that's like a I healthy just, one. I know, I was quite lucky, really. But, yeah, it is a bit weird sat in bed at 4am eating a melon, though. <laughs> also, of all the melons, I think a honeydew is maybe the more... I'm not a honeydew fan, because it is a bit sick-like. Do you know what I mean, taste-wise? <laughs> yeah, It's a bit it sweet, sick-like. Yeah, it is. It is a bit vomy. It is. <laughs> um, Scarlett, we'll talk more about your pregnancy and stuff in a minute, but first of all, what was your childhood like? Where did you grow up? Did you have siblings? I know loads of feel like they know your family from Gogglebox and stuff, but what was your childhood like? Well, I still live in the village that I grew up in, so, like, all of my family were all within sort of a five-minute car journey away from each really? other. Yeah, we're like the Geordie Von Trapps, I because we're just, like, always together. It was, like, I really enjoyed my childhood. It was just... I didn't really enjoy school. School life wasn't yeah. the greatest, but actual family life at home was just... I just remember laughing all the time. Like, I've got such sort of, like, 
fond memories of going metal detecting with my dad and walking the dog and even just, I know it sounds like very Gogglebox, but I always remember, like, some of my greatest memories are sitting watching, like, Crystal Maze as a kid yeah. with my family or sometimes at the end, like... I think it must have been when my mum and dad were paid because it was always, like, at the beginning of the month mm. we would get a takeaway and, like, watch the telly. And that just, honestly, is some of the greatest memories. Like, very simple, but, yeah, I remember just chilling with the family and it was lovely. I think that's a massive part of my memories growing up, especially Saturday night. Saturday night TV was incredible. Yeah. And we'd all get together and watch it and it just felt like that massive, like... Fa- and, and I guess Anton Deck and Saturday Night Takeaway are still doing that when that's on. But you had great programmes like Blind Date, Gladiators, you know... Oh, Gladiators, right. I remember, like, literally shouting at the telly, like, come on! And, like, when the wolf would come on and me and my dad would sing, like, who's afraid of the big bad wolf? <laughs> like, all those memories, like, it was just so much fun. And I, I actually feel now, because technically... I have a sister, but I was an only child because she was born when I was 16. Right. So she was actually born on the day that I got my GCSE results. We both sort of are only children, but have the, like, love of sisters. But, like, I always feel a bit sorry for my sister Ava that she'll never experience, like running to go up the toilet during an ad break <laughs> on the telly or, like, running to get treats and, like, that little black and white marker would come in the corner of the telly and my mum would be like, hurry up, it's time, and I'd be like, ah! And, like, they're frantic of it, but it was just, like, it was like a race, like, oh, I've got to get back before the advert's finished. Yeah. When you were younger, looking ahead to your future, did you see yourself with a family? The thing is, all of my family are very young. So my nanny had my mum when she was 16 and my mum had me when she was 19 and, like, my aunties and everything had children really young. So actually, they sort of instilled in me to try and have them later. Really? My mum's always sort of said, like, it's the greatest thing, but sort of she wished that she'd waited a little bit longer so that she knew who she was more because she sort of had to try and navigate finding herself whilst having a baby. And she said, like, that's a hard thing to do. You know, having children is the most amazing thing, but it's really hard. So I think I always had that in the back of my mind. And then that thing happened where I turned 30, I think, which happens for a lot of women where we then go... Oh, yeah, I think, like, maybe I need to start and think about it now. But weirdly, because I've been with Scott nearly five years and actually we were trying for, like, a long time. I think a lot of women do this. I sort of, like, think I self-diagnose myself in thinking, oh, maybe I can't have children because it isn't happening. Like, it, mm. you know, like... Well, and we spend years and years and years going, can't get pregnant, mustn't get pregnant, mustn't get pregnant. And all of a sudden, yes. our mindset changes. But I know I am. I'm doing yeah, it now. Yeah, and we're like, come on, eggs, do <laughs> yeah. it for me. Like, it's like, it's like a weird flip yeah. of a switch. And, yeah, it wasn't happening. And we actually um, booked to see fertility doctor to check that everything was OK. And that was for the November. And on my birthday in October, I remember blowing my birthday candles out and wishing that it would happen, like saying, I really wish that we could have a baby. And then literally two weeks later, I found out that I was pregnant. <laughs> so... It was like a nice feeling, emailing the fertility doctor, cancelling the appointment. Like, it felt really... Well, how did that feel? So when you first suspected you might be pregnant, like, what were you feeling then or were you just late? 
I know this is going to sound stupid. We went on holiday straight after my birthday. And, like, I just didn't feel like drinking or anything. Like, I just... I don't know, it's as if my body sort of knew. Yeah. And I kept saying to Scott, I feel really weird. And I don't know why, but, like, I just feel a bit weird. And he was like, oh, maybe you've just got, like, a bug or something. So I didn't really drink that holiday. And then Scott came back to Newcastle Airport. I went down to London because I was working, so I was down London for the week. And then when I came back home, I'd ordered pregnancy tests off Amazon. <laughs> and Scott was like, you've got a parcel. And he opened it and he was like... What have you got these for? And I was like, I just have a feeling. <laughs> this is probably too much information, but I couldn't find anything to weigh in, so I quickly ate... You know one of them goo pots? The goo chocolates? <laughs> yeah. I quickly ate one of them. And Needs mask. Out. So I was, like, I was like, I'm not weighing in Tupperware, so I... I... <laughs> We did one of the goo cups and then it said I was pregnant and then I did another test and then I did another one and then I was like, Scott, we're going to have to get one of the electric ones because I might have a dud batch here. Like, I think I'd convinced my... Even me, I'd, Scott was like, I think you're pregnant. And I was like, no, I think... I didn't want to get my hopes up in case it yeah. wasn't, like, you know, and I was Googling and it was like 0.1% of pregnancy tests can, like, not be... And I was like, I'll be one of them 0.1%, like, let's not get our hopes up. So we drove straight to Boots to get loads of electronic ones. It blows my mind, though, that people rely on the Lions ones. I just, I can't do it. I, I need a digital. Just tell me yes or no. None of this. Yeah. Is it? Is it not? I can't do it. I need a little it. face to pop up and then say <laughs> pregnant. Like, yeah, then when I did it and then them ones said pregnant, yeah, we just sort of burst into tears, really. And, like, I think we hugged each other for about 20 minutes without even saying oh. anything. We just didn't let go of each other. I wish I could bottle that feeling up, actually, and, like give it out because it's yeah. such a euphoric moment. But also, can't swear, but, like, scary. Yeah. <laughs> like, really yeah. scary. Like, I remember then thinking, this is great, and I've wished for it, but, like, oh, no, this is real now. Like, we're going to be in charge of a human. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So you and Scott obviously spoken a long time about starting a family. How did you meet? Did you know each other before you got together at all? Yeah, so I've known Scott since we were sort of teenagers. and Are you both from the same area? Yeah, so we're both from the same village. So Scott used to be a boy, what we call up here, like a boy racer. He was always sort of driving around and stuff. So sometimes me and my friends would get lifts off him to, like, <laughs> McDonald's or whatever. And then when I moved to London, like, I didn't see him for, like, years. And then a bad thing happened, but weirdly it ended up being the best thing because... I'd just moved into a house on my own and I was really excited that I was living on my own. And then I noticed this man in my garden and I was like, oh my gosh, there's a man in my garden. And it turned out to be a, like a pap, like he was taking photos. Oh um, my gosh. And I was like, so I rang the local police station because I was like, I don't think this is a 999 call. And they were like, no, it absolutely is. Like, <laughs> there's a strange man in your garden taking pictures of you. Through your kitchen window, it is. So they sent response officers and Scott happened to be one of those police officers. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's you. Like, And we started chatting and stuff. And then a couple of months later, I seen he posted a nice picture of him and his dog on Facebook. <laughs> and I, I commented underneath saying, cute and then I put dot 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 and the dog I was trying to <laughs> flirt, flirt off a face food and then his friends apparently were saying like Scott she's trying to flirt with you like you need to message her and then it just went from there really we just met up and went for food and like to Starbucks and stuff and then 
yeah, we just haven't really left each other's side since then. It's pretty fascinating, you know, like you're talking about how as a family you're really close, you all live five minutes away from each other and then work took you down to London. And actually moving back now and having that base where you grew up and where you feel safe, you know, and the fact that you're both from there, that's incredible. Obviously, like, it's so weird because as a teenager, like, as an 18, 19-year-old, when I was at university, because I went to uni at York, it, it was only half hour away from home, and I've always been a home bird, but I wanted to spread my wings, and, like, yeah. if I'd have said to my 18-year-old self, you'd live in your village, I'd have been like, oh, you're joking. Because <laughs> all I wanted to do was get away. Yeah. I think sometimes a lot of people feel like that. I was like, I want to move away, I want to move to the big city, go to London... I just felt so lost in London. I actually I felt quite lonely in London. I think it's such a shock from sort of having your family on your doorstep to all of a sudden, like... It's so weird because London's the busiest place I've ever been, but it can feel really lonely. Yeah. Because people don't just chat at bus stops and stuff like they do up here. I think it's because everyone's just sort of in their own bubble and they're really busy, whereas we're a bit more <laughs> chilled up here. But I remember, like saying to people, oh, do you want to go for food? And they'd check the diaries and they'd be like, yeah, I'm free a week on Wednesday. Or I'm free. And I'd be like, oh, no, I just mean, like, now. Because <laughs> me and my friends would just go, do you want to go for food now? So it was a bit of a culture shock. But I'm pleased that I've moved back up. I feel a lot more like me. Yeah. Like, up here. Yeah, I love that. So after you found out you were pregnant, did you tell people straight away? Or was it, like, kept... No, no, you didn't. Do you know what? Like, I was debating whether to say this, but I think actually I want to because I think it's important that people realise, like, how their words can affect pregnant people. Yeah. So I remember the first thing I googled what to do when you're pregnant. So me and Scott just knew, and it was like, ring your GP because you need to make an appointment to meet a midwife. So I rang my local GP, and the receptionist on the phone um, was like, oh, you haven't told anyone, have you? And I said, oh, no, I haven't told anyone yet. And she went, oh, good, because she asked if it was my first pregnancy, and I said yes, and she said, oh, good, because most first pregnancies end in miscarriage. She didn't. Yeah, and I remember, like, sort of feeling a bit like, oh, OK, and then I come off the phone. I think that really affected me. For the first 12 weeks, I just didn't want to tell anyone because yeah. I was so scared that I would, like, let people down of, like, telling them, you know, like, oh, I'm having a baby and then something bad happened. So, yeah, like, I was just so... I was honestly a nervous wreck. And I think because I didn't get any symptoms, that almost made it worse because I was like, why am I not vomiting? Like, yeah, you want to feel a little bit of something just so you yeah, know that... I remember literally lying happening. in bed and thinking, do I feel a bit nauseous? Like, almost wanting to feel, like, a little bit sickly so I could feel pregnant. But, yeah, there was literally just Scott and my mum that knew. Really? Yeah, and my mum's, like, a delivery driver. And I rang her when she was <laughs> doing her deliveries and she was like, why have you rang me now? I've got a whole shift to do. She was like... <laughs> so I think... Uh, yeah, I literally rang her in the middle of, like, her work day and she was like, I can't concentrate. <laughs> That's so cute, but it's also so terrifying that that receptionist would say that because yeah. also for anyone listening, that is not true. Like, to yeah. pass that information on someone, especially when you're feeling so giddy and excited and ridiculously scared because this is yeah. something new, it's something you've wanted, but now you, the fact that you knew to call the GP, I didn't. You know, you've said you're so <laughs> focused on getting pregnant that it's like, well, now what? We've done it. So for that first person to hear that news to then give you that comment, it must have felt so deflating and worrying. 
it, yeah, it just made me feel feelings that I wasn't feeling. Yeah. That didn't even enter my mind. Like, yeah. I was just so excited that I knew I could get pregnant. I was yeah. like, yes, this has happened. Like, Scott still laughs now, but I'm honestly like, I'm just going to make a wish at every birthday now because that, <laughs> like, I, I'm convinced that it was the birthday wish that did it. Um, not the birthday <laughs> sex, the birthday wish. No, not the birthday <laughs> sex, the actual, just the candle part. Yeah. Didn't even need to do the rest, no. just blow the candle out. <laughs> I was so excited that it didn't even enter my mind. So, yeah, like, I would just be really, like, I just want people to be mindful of sometimes what they say to people. Like, because yeah. it is a really scary time and your hormones are everywhere and you're feeling all these feelings that you've never felt before. So, yeah, I would just, like, urge anyone to just maybe think before things like that come out. Yeah, yeah. And also, it's really important that you're sharing it because, you know, to let other people know that when those words are said to you, that actually how you how you respond to them is also really, really important like you don't have to take all those words on as gospel yeah. or let them affect you in you know I mean can you imagine the amount of women that that lady is saying that to do you know part of me I said to Scott part of me wanted to ring up and go can you please not say this to yeah. anyone else I like part of me was like do I or is that really weird I would say that that's completely fair yeah. completely valid like yeah but going on from that then, so your first scan, which I guess, it, were you waiting for the first scan and to see a heartbeat and everything before telling everyone? Yes, it was like around Christmas time. So I actually had the scan on Christmas Eve. Did you? Which, yeah, which was so lovely because then I had like cards made. <laughs> like, so it had like um, three stockings on the front and it said, Merry Christmas from Scarlett, Scott and Bonnie, the dog. And then inside it had another little stocking and it said, and baby Dobinson coming soon. And like, honestly, I gave them all out on Christmas Eve night to like all my family. Some of my family didn't even click on. I don't even think my nanny, bless her, she opened it and she went, well, there's four stockings here. I was like, read it, nanny, you've got to read it. But it was such a lovely feeling. And I've got to say like, because I had gave birth with the help of the NHS and my midwife, Helen, was just so wonderful. Like, she just made me feel like I could do it. Yeah. And, like, she was just, yeah, because she could tell that I was very anxious. I don't think I would have had as an enjoyable experience if I didn't get given Helen as a midwife, which... So That's I feel amazing. very lucky. I feel like the stars aligned to let us be together. Yeah. <laughs> Can you remember that first gown and hearing the heartbeat for the first time? Yeah, me and Scott just looked at each other and cried our eyes out. I think that made it feel more real. Yeah. Like, when you actually sort of hear the beat, because it's like, oh, that's inside of me. <laughs> like, And then from that day on, I sort of, like, was doing all of the playing Baby Mozart, reading the Tiger Who Came to Tea repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think from that moment, that's when I became a mum. Yeah. Like, from the seeing that, that's when I went into mum mode and I was like, right. I'm going to talk to you every day, son. <laughs> I love that so much. Tell me about this gender envelope. You got the envelope from your appointment to tell you the reveal, yeah. but you just couldn't quite contain it. Well, we had this plan where we were going to go out for a nice meal, just me and Scott. We weren't going to do a gender reveal party or anything. We just wanted it us. And so we were really excited. And then we basically got to the first set of traffic lights outside of getting the envelope and I was like we're gonna to have to open it both of us were like we can't wait any longer so I opened it at the traffic lights <laughs> and we were like yeah it's a boy it's a boy so yeah it's it wasn't 
quite the like <laughs> I love it that though. And I think it actually doesn't matter when I mean I've never found out. So I find out oh, like wow. in the delivery room. I get that actually it doesn't matter when that surprise occurs. It's always a surprise. You know what I mean? Yes. It's always that feeling. Whether that's you know when you're actually in the appointment, whether it's an envelope at a traffic light, a romantic meal, <laughs> a party, like whatever that is, you still get that feeling of that surprise. It doesn't matter when it yeah. when it happens. And it's the best surprise ever. Yeah. Because I convinced myself it was a girl. Oh, really? Yeah, I picked out sort of like dance dresses because I did ballroom and that and dancing as a kid. So I was like, right, I know exactly what it's sort of like. And then, yeah, as soon as it was a boy, and I was like, well, he's going to be in tailcoats now when he goes dancing. <laughs> like, it's not going to be dresses. <laughs> I didn't know that you did that. Yeah, I loved it. I did it from four until I was sort of 18. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I really loved it. That's it amazing. Like, I really would love Jude to dance because what I noticed from all of the boys that I danced with, they were gentlemen. Because they'd spent so much time with girls and around girls, they were always so courteous and sort of like, you know, understood girls a bit more. So I really would, would like him to dance. I hope that he enjoys it. Oh, I love that. How <laughs> was the rest of your pregnancy after finding out the gender and then hearing the heartbeat? How was the rest of it? I loved it. And I never thought I would be the type of person that would want to wear, like, slinky dresses to show off my bum. Oh, it's different, though, isn't it? It's different when you're pregnant. You can breathe out. (laughs) There's no stress. If anything, you want to wear tighter clothes because you're like, I want you to know that this is a baby bum coming through. Well, yes, there's a pride of your body as well, like what it's doing. I literally see my body as a different Mm. entity now. Honestly, like, because a lot of my friends were saying... You know, it can feel quite hard after you've had a baby because your body changes so much. And listening to your podcast and watching a lot of sort of like motivational women talking about sort of bodies after you've given birth. Like I've got a lot of stretch marks on my tummy. Honestly, like I I actually love them. I know that sounds... (laughs) I never thought I'd say that. Like I look at them and I just think it sort of looks like... um, the inside of a tree, like, you know, like, the <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I feel like Mother Nature, I'm like, this is so amazing, and like, and before, even sometimes, like, out of the bath, I'd, like, run past the mirror if I was getting out the bath, and I'd be like, oh, whereas now, I feel like I look at my body naked a lot more than I ever looked at it before, and I'm like, these boobies feed Jude, and like, you know, I'm like, it's just so amazing, actually, I'd appreciated my body a lot more, before I, I was pregnant. But I so wish, much like, of that is the stuff that we're told that we have to be like, the way that we have to conform. Yeah. We're told what is pretty, what is worthy. And actually, it's only when you see your body doing what it was designed to do that you actually appreciate it. And afterwards, yeah. you have to keep appreciating the fact that it's done that. And and I think it is so difficult, but it's something that we have to take ownership over rather than letting other people dictate whether or not our bodies are worth loving. Yeah, and, like, another thing that i done was sort of, like, anyone that I followed on Instagram that sort of was talking about bouncing back or, you mm. know, getting the body... I just unfollow them. Yeah. Not because I think they're a bad person, but I'm like, actually, I don't need to see all of that stuff, like, because I'm really happy how I am and I don't need to be seeing how you're bouncing back or what diet you're doing. To, yeah. Because right now I'm just sort of enjoying being a mum and also it's very tiring so sometimes you do well I will have beans on toast at like three in the morning which <laughs> I wouldn't normally but sometimes you do have to just listen to your body mm-hmm. and go 
this is fine, like, I'm doing fine. I think that's a really important thing as well, being able to curate your feed, realising that you're in control of the things that you see. You know, especially yeah. on Instagram, you know, if there is someone that's making you unintentionally feel rubbish about yourself, there is the unfollow button, there is the mute button, yeah. just until you're feeling like you can take on their stuff without impacting yours. Yeah, and it doesn't make you a bad person. No. Like, it's just sort of out of sight, out of mind. Then you're not filling your head full of like, oh, should I be doing that? Should, yeah. should I be feeling like that? That's really helped. Yeah. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. With bodies, you are someone who has been talked about in the past in terms of losing weight, you know, and all of that stuff. Yeah. And that's really hard to be part of that narrative and to feel like actually it's become someone else's narrative to talk about when actually it is you. And I wonder if if actually having Jude has made your body yours again, in, in a way. Do you know what? Honestly, that is how I feel. And I think I was only 25 when all of that happened with, like, doing the DVD and stuff. I and was that's what so people did young. back then, though. That's what yeah, they did. Yeah, and I was so young and I hadn't been in the industry very long and, you know, this woman came along and was like, oh, would you like to get fit? And you, like, and I'm like, yeah, of course I would. Like, <laughs> you know, I would have been silly to not to at 25. Like, and I, I didn't have any representation. I didn't have an agent. I didn't even mm. really know what an agent was. So it was such a different time. And I back on that part of my life and I'm like, that doesn't even feel like me, actually. Yeah. You know, and now I'm just like, it's almost just like a distant memory. Yeah. And I do feel like, I'm allowed to talk. I think for a while I felt like I couldn't talk about bodies because I felt like I didn't have the right to because I'd lost weight then put it back on. I felt like I didn't have any right to talk about my body, <laughs> which, which is bizarre. Yeah. I know it's, it is bizarre when I think about it now, whereas... And also I did things like befores and afters, which now I realise are so detrimental, not even to everyone else, but to myself. And I think actually now that's why I try and really be real on my social platform mm. because I'm like, it's sort of trying to right some wrongs. I do feel bad for doing them before and afters, but I was so young, you but know, also, like I've got to give myself change. a bit. Times yeah, change, times yeah, change, you know, does. there was a time where before and afters were the things that people did and they weren't questioned, you know what I mean? Those were just what people did. 
And I think as you grow up and you change and, and life happens and, you know, whether that's having babies or whatever, you are allowed to change who you are and how you approach yeah. things. Because if we stay stagnant, that is the problem. You are allowed to change your views on, on your body or how you even talk about it. You're allowed to. You've got to. Yeah. And I'm really pleased now that people call out before and afters. And, you know, I, I see a lot of people doing sort of the, like, it's the same day, but they po- they pause in yeah. and then they unpause in. Yeah. And I'm so pleased that now actually, like, because I've got a 17-year-old sister that actually she can see that it's, you know, a lot of it isn't real. Mm. A lot of it is just, like, camera angles and lighting and filters and all of that stuff. So, yeah, I- I'm pleased that actually we're in a time where people are calling it out and yeah. it isn't like the sort of... You know, people just scroll past it now. People don't... People I think see people through have it. lost interest, yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is good. Yeah. Going back to your body and your pregnancy, how did you feel heading towards a birth? Was birth something that you'd put a, like, a lot of focus on? Had you ever thought about how you would give birth? Um, I was just going to wing it, which is <laughs> a ridiculous thing ever. I was like, yeah, my body's meant to do this. Like, it'll be fine. Like, you know, and then... And then I actually, after speaking to my family, they were like, you know, you need to start and think about your birth plan. And I was like, there's a plan? <laughs> you write things down? And I remember writing at the top of my list, I was with my mum and I was like, must make a Spotify playlist. And she was like, the fact that that's at the top of your list, Scarlett, <laughs> she was like, that's the least important thing. She's like, we need... But actually, all that got taken away from me and Jude wanted to enter the word 35 weeks and I had an elective C-section and honestly, it was such a wonderful experience. Well, what happened in that, in the lead-up to Jude's birth? Oh, so I was meant to... It was my little sister's birthday and we were meant to go to a spa day. So I was just sat on my phone. It was, like, half six in the morning and I was sat on my phone about to get ready for the day and I heard, like, a pop. And I was like, what was that noise? And then I looked and I was like, have I just wet myself? I was like, I think I've just weed myself. And I was like, Scott, wake up. Like, and we were like, what is that? But it wasn't a lot. And he was like, oh, have you weed yourself? And I was like, yeah, I'm so sorry. I think I've just wet the bed. <laughs> anyway, I started walking around to get a shower. And I was like, no, more stuff is coming out. Like, I can't squeeze this. Normally, you can squeeze yeah, a wee yeah, in. I was yeah. like, there's no squeeze in this. And so, yeah, I rang up and they were like, yeah, you need to come in. It sounds like your waters have broke. I'm just so grateful that it happened two hours before because if I'd have been at a spa, my waters would have broke and I'd have been floating around the pool yeah. just thinking it was pool water. I wouldn't have had a clue. <laughs> so I'm so grateful that it sort of, like, happened then. Yeah, they did, like, a swab and checked it was the amniotic fluid and it's this thing called PROM, so it, like, sort of half broke mm-hmm. and then Jude's head was acting as a plug. Right. So every time he would move, like, more would come out. They then, like, were checking me, like, obs and stuff like that, and I had sort of protein and lots of other things in my wee that they were like, oh, we need to, like, monitor you so you'll be staying in hospital. Luckily, I was organised and I'd already done my hospital bag. Well done, you. (laughs) Yeah, I seen that on TikTok. Everyone on TikTok was like, do not leave it until your third trimester, you'll be too tired. So I was so happy that I'd already done that. It had Snickers and Lucozid and everything. I was very organised, even had snacks in. And then they checked my obs that day and then the next day on the morning they were like, yeah, I think that we should put you in for an elective C-section. And that was at 10 on the morning. And then at, like, 4 o'clock, yeah, I went in. 
<laughs> like, how did you feel during that time? Because obviously, I know it's 40 weeks, but 37 weeks really is when we know yeah. the babies are, you know, really ready to come out. Was it scary knowing that Jude was going to be coming a little bit early? Honestly, like, because I gave birth at Durham Hospital and he was honestly so amazing and he came in and sort of gives the pros and cons mm-hmm. and explained that the chances of him going to neonatal were quite high, but he's a good weight from the scans and everything, so that it's probably safest going for this elective C-section. And, I mean, we had absolute radio on. It, Jude was actually <laughs> born. I mean, it's funny because some of Jude's godparents are drag queens and he was actually born to Man I Feel Like a Woman. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, like, the most perfect song ever. And I remember, like, sort of crying but also belly laughing. Yeah. At, like, the fact that he was born to this song. And then when they took my placenta out, the Macarena was on. <laughs> and I was like, what? Why are they playing party classics? Like, That's also so <laughs> not absolute. I love I love it. Yeah. I was like, what have you got on here? Like, yeah, it was so funny, but it was like such a nice experience. And like the anaesthetist was like, made me feel really at ease because I know a lot of people are really scared of sort of the epidural spinal Mm. blocks, but it was fine. You know, like you just have to bend over like a prawn. And then they give you a little sort of, they numb it. And that just feels like a little bee sting. And then you can't feel anything else it's just like a bit of pressure but I think in my head that was the bit I was most scared about I was thinking oh I've sick like you know people talk about it and the needles and me along and you know but it honestly was fine like and it was such a lovely experience and my midwife Helen was there and so had Helen been with you for your appointments leading up to this yeah the whole time amazing so because after a, a month after year give birth then your community midwives aren't assigned to you anymore and you have a health visitor who comes and checks on on Jude I was I cried my eyes out oh. I was like I just don't want you to not be in my life anymore like who am I, like you know because she just was so lovely and like you know and if I ever had a query I would like message on a work phone and be like I'm just wondering is this normal and you yeah. know like I feel for midwives at the minute because I just feel like they're so understaffed and they're getting such a hard rap and just trying the hardest, like, Mm -hmm. with what they've got. And they're like angels on earth, I think. Like, it's so hard what they do. And and Charlotte, who was a matron on the ward, like, especially because I was so anxious, they just made everything better. Mm. And, like, I just can't imagine. Like, I just think we're so lucky to have the NHS. I just... We would give them a like a bit more leeway. It's such an incredible job. Like what an honour to be there, bringing life into the world. You know, That's I just it's, it's incredible what they do. And you're having to properly observe women, and but also cater to their needs and not take over. And like everyone is individual and in how they're going to approach it. So they have to be so adaptable. Yeah, no, I just think they're amazing. But yeah, the actual C-section, like felt more for Scott because Scott had to wait in the corridor while they did my epidural. Okay. So he wasn't in with me. So yeah. I was like, can someone go and check on Scott to see if he's okay? Because <laughs> I had all these lovely people around me telling me I'm doing a great job. And I was like, who was Scott sat out there in his scrubs just like, <laughs> waiting? everything okay? Is it? Yeah. But it was lovely when, like, he came in. And it's weird because the C-section, you can feel what's going on. Is it a pressure feeling that you can feel? Yeah, like, the thing I was nervous about was thinking that I wouldn't feel anything and that, like, I was like, what will it feel like to feel nothing? Like, to just... (laughs) 
sort of be a floating head. How will that feel? But actually, you could sort of feel them rummaging around. Like, it was such a... Well, so your mind must fill in the gaps, do you know what I mean? So you feel stuff and then you must be like, oh, they're they're doing that, you know? (laughs) Yeah, and I could, like, feel the moment that they pulled Jude out and then I just heard this cry and, like, yeah, and that's when me and Scott looked at each of them, was laughing at the sob, but also just crying that he was crying. Yeah. We'd spoke so much, me and Scott, on a night. We'd just, when I was pregnant, we'd lie and say, I wonder what his cry sounds like. We'd just talk about it so much, like, I wonder if it'll be high-pitched, I wonder. And we'd talk about what we thought he would look like, and <laughs> it was so magical. That cry, I mean, I don't know about you, but I used to be obsessed with Bumble every minute. I got wrong off Scott for watching it all the time, Did though. Because sometimes it would make me feel a bit dizzy and he'd be like, have you eaten? I'd go, oh, I need to get a lemonade or something. And he'd be like, have you watching One Born Every Minute? I was like, yes. <laughs> but that moment every time where the cry comes, you're just oh. like, ah. Oh. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Like, it is just it's the best feeling ever. Like, I don't think anyone can really prepare you. Yeah. Tell you the thing that used to annoy me, though, but they were so right. Everyone would be like, you've never felt tiredness like it. Oh, you'll be tired. Oh, try and bank your sleep now. And I'd be like, can't be that bad. Like, I'm quite a night owl. On Yeah, I thought I'd been tired before. Turns out I wasn't. And I just appreciate every yeah. parent or guardian or anyone who looks after kids. I'm like, you deserve a medal the size of a dustbin lid because... <laughs> It's tight. And I'm so lucky, actually, that that Scott's taken six months off work. That's incredible. Yeah, it's so good, yeah. And I know that we're in a really privileged position to be able to do that financially, and I don't take that for granted. And, like, so I'm like, gosh, I can't even imagine what it's like if he had to go back to work after two weeks. Like, honestly, I just applaud everyone. Like, it's just... Especially if you have any complications or, like, C-sections, like, it can take a while to recover. So I just think people are, like, superhuman who have kids. Mm. You, like, pull this strength from somewhere that, like... And now I'm, like, I moaned about being tired before and I'm, like, how dare I? (laughs) How dare I ever say that I was tired before? It's ridiculous. (laughs) I've always been, like, what did I do with my time? Because now, (laughs) you know... I always used to say I was busy. Was I busy? Because now it's just, you know, it's ridiculous. Can you remember meeting Jude for the first time, seeing his little face? Yeah, like, it was just so... Like, he had one eye open. He was sort of, like, (laughs) winking at me. And then they put me on my chest and he just grabbed my finger. And I remember just staring at him and just... The first things I said to him, I was like... I wanted to say, hey, Jude. So I was like, hey, Jude, (laughs) I'm your mummy. And, like, yeah, it was just so... I hope that I remember that forever. As soon as I got home, I wrote my whole birth experience in Did his you? journal. Yeah, because everyone told me, like, sometimes you forget things. Yeah. So, yeah, as soon as I got home, I just wrote everything. Down. I must have been writing for about half an hour, I was like, because I just didn't want to forget anything. And actually, I have. And then when I've, like, I've ever read it back a couple of times, I'm like, oh, yeah, that yeah. happened. Like, yeah, so I wanted to try and remember it as much as I could. yeah. That's such a good advice, actually, for anyone, is just write those things down, because otherwise it does just... Those memories get replaced, So, and it's short-term memory. And at that point, yeah. remembering anything is a miracle. You're just so tired. There's no <laughs> such thing as memory. You're so tired. I can't stress this, because I just really... When everyone was saying, 
sleep. I was like, you're just exaggerating. Mm. I really want people to be prepared for that. I'm not trying to scare you or be like, oh, it's awful, because you get through it. It's not like you can't function or anything. Just be prepared that, yeah, it's a different level of tiredness. (laughs) (laughs) But you're still feeding, aren't you, as well? So I'm, like, doing a little bit of both now, so, like, bottle feeding and and breastfeeding, yeah. Because he was born, like, so prematurely i wanted to try and breastfeed to get his weight up yeah i love it none of my family have ever breastfed oh, really? so when i said i was breastfeeding everyone was really shocked i'm not the type of person that i think my family and friends would think that i'd do that yeah and even also in my pregnancy i was like oh yeah i'm going to bottle feed i'm going to bottle feed and then it just makes me feel so close to him mm. like it makes me feel like i'm like giving back i'm like you give me all this love and I'm just, like, giving a little bit back. But when he, like, looks in my eyes and he's feeding, I'm like, oh, this is... It's such a fuzzy feeling. I love that. <laughs> so after he was born, did he have to go into neonatal? He did, and it was... And I just feel for any parent who's had to deal with that. Luckily, he only had to stay in one night, but it's hard when you've just given birth mm. and all of your dreams have come true and then you can't spend the first night with him. Like, yeah. I just wanted him in my room and I just wanted to cuddle him. But, yeah, you had to have the little feeding tube and the little um, mask on because he had jaundice or mm. he had to go under the light. But Scott spent the whole night with him. I was like, Scott, I'm fine. I can press a button if I need <laughs> help. Will you just stay with him? Because I just didn't want him on to be own. on his own. So Scott just sat on a chair next to his little bed the whole night. (laughs) And then did you all leave hospital together the next day? Could you leave or were you there for a while? So we were there three nights, then we left, and then they come and do, like, a heel prick test to check the blood and everything. Then we got a phone call three hours after that saying, oh, he's got jaundice still, so we had to go back in and spend another night in hospital. But luckily, the hospital wasn't too busy Mm. so Scott could stay with me so at least we were all together as a family even though it wasn't sort of in our home and stuff it still felt nice that we were all together yeah which was nice and after that initial thing of being there for three days so that first moment of like leaving because you've I don't know if you felt it as well you're in like a little bubble where this is how life is now and then you leave and it's just you. That feels yeah. very different to what life was like yeah. as a threesome in hospital. Yeah, because yeah, obviously you're surrounded by, like, your midwife saying how amazing everything is yeah. and, like, and all that, and then you come out and you're like, oh, life is just how it was before. Yeah, no-one's coming in saying, about... well done, Mummy. Let's just yeah. <laughs> Everyone's going about the daily business. They're doing the big shop. They just, you know, that is true. It almost feels like a little bit of an adrenaline come down, actually. Mm, Because you're sort of on a high and then you get home and you're like, right, what do we do now? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) A lot of people still haven't met Jude. Oh, really? He's two months old now and it's basically just family and, like, I've got sort of, like, six best friends that are, like, my family anyway. Them. And, like, yeah, no-one else is... Is that because you've tried to take it slowly and kind of enjoy it or you know yeah I think sort of just you know people have asked to see him but I think just time runs away with you like I can't believe I have a two-month-old baby like you know it would always be like oh yeah like come next week I'll text you next week when I'm free and then just sort of 
now all of a sudden we're two months in. Like, I feel like some of my friends aren't going to see him until he starts nurseries <laughs> at this rate. It'll, it'll be just... his 18th, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we both did, Jude. But there is like, a pressure that comes with that. I feel like there's yeah. a... It's almost become this etiquette of everyone coming over and like this stampede of people that turn up to your house. You've got to give tea and cake to and you've got yes. to look after. Where actually you should be pulling up the drawbridge and really focusing on what's important to you and, you know, and the bond of you and your baby and your family and taking things slowly. So I do think it's a really good thing, actually, when kind of take our foot off that a little bit and go, do you know what? We'll have a family thing in, in a couple of months and we'll see everyone then. And, you yeah. know, to kind of take that pressure off. No, it's not like this hierarchy of people who were sort of like more important or anything it's just that like I got really good advice and it it was that babies are coming into your life so you've got to try and just let them fit into your life Mm. rather than try and fit your life around them all of the time yeah so actually the people that come over are the people that came over anyway and the people that haven't met him are actually people that never popped around for a cup of tea or anything Mm -hmm. so I don't feel guilty about that because I'm like actually that never happened before so I'm just sort of going about my life really you will meet him eventually but you know I'm just doing life and that so happens that those people are the ones that are in it all the time anyway I don't I think you should never feel guilty about that and never feel guilty about saying no like I've even said no to a couple of my family who've met him like they're like oh can we call around after work and I'm like oh actually no Mm. and you don't need to give a reason also, the days sentence. run away from yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the days run away from you before you know it. You're at the end of another week. If I look back to when I first had Buzz, it's that thing of it feels like everything is so full. So to put another yes. person coming in, or when you're trying to have a schedule or trying to get yeah. themselves, it's just there's a lot, and you want to. I felt like I at some point I wanted to sort of contain it in some way so there wasn't so much going on all the time. Yeah, I think just saying, oh no, not today. That's I know fine. you can cancel like, as well. Yeah, oh yeah, I've cancelled a couple of times because so, I've had every intention and I've the sleep thief <laughs> we call him, Jude's sleep thief, um, <laughs> happens and I'm like, actually, guys, today's not a very good day. <laughs> How are you all sleeping? Yeah, good now. It was I think because he was born like at 35 weeks. You know, it was, sometimes he would wake up every 45 minutes oh. and have like a tiny feed bless him and then you know but now every night he loves a bath he absolutely loves a bath he has a bath at about seven and then a bottle and he sort of settles at around nine yeah and then he wakes up at 12 okay and then he wakes up at four and then he wakes up at eight I love the smile on your face right now, Scarlett. You're like, yeah. It's so good. It's like actual <laughs> sleep. But me and Scott were doing it in shifts. Right. Because I am a bit of a night owl and he's better on a morning because he's used to shifts with his work pattern anyway. But now we all sleep in the same room and it's so lovely. That's it nice. feels like, yeah, like I was waiting for that. That's only been for the last week. But yeah, yeah it's been... Lovely, like actually it's nice going to just bed being and, like you've got and, chunks of sleep. Yeah, feels so and different. being able to like just like chat in bed. Yeah, because I I've missed that. Like that was one of my favorite parts of the day. Is me and Scott sort of just chatting in bed about everything, just about life. So it's nice to be able to do that again, even if we do have to do it with our inside voices, with a <laughs> white noise machine in the background. <laughs> We'd go to bed every night and go, "Good luck." 
<laughs> Good to know. But some of my fondest like newborn memories are us in bed watching Countdown, feeding Buzz, and eating crackers. Oh. You know that was yeah. our favourite thing to do at that time. That sounds perfect. Yeah. That sounds perfect. <laughs> Can you believe that you have a two-month-old? Has that time flown by? Yeah, and I think like that's the thing as well that like as a mum, no one prepares you for. Is mm. that you've sort of got something that measures time. Yeah. I've never measured time before. I've been like, oh, it's April now, or oh, it's August now, or whatever. Whereas when you've got a baby, you literally, I'm seeing him change. Yeah. I'm seeing him, like, be more alert. I'm like, oh, he's eight weeks today. or And I'm like, where's that time gone? Like, I've never thought about time mm. as much. It sounds pathetic, but I actually, like, cried because I had to put some of his clothes in, like, the charity bag. These don't fit him anymore. <laughs> and Scott was like, are you OK? And I was like, I don't think I am. Like, what's wrong with me? Why am I crying? Of course he's going to get bigger. He's not Benjamin Button. He's not going to get small. <laughs> like, why am I acting as if this is a shock? Well, that first year, though, the speed of which they grow is oh. astounding. You know, the fact that there are, like, newborn clothes, they're naught to three, three to six, that's how rapidly they grow. And something that doesn't fit them well week can be too small for them the next and it just it does it blows your mind yeah i just had a few tears no. but i'm all right now i think i won't be like that with his next clothes because he's still sort of in first size clothes really yeah he's only dinky well he's eight pounds nine oh. now yeah so he's getting big he feeds really well now so hopefully he starts and chunks up because I love it when babies have those folds in their arms yeah. and legs. I love those little folds so much. Oh, If you could write a letter on motherhood, who would it be to and what would you say? Oh, I think I would write it to my nanny, like my nan, because she raised my mum and my mum raised me and they've given me the tools to look after Jude and be the yeah. best mum that I can be to Jude. Like, they've shown me what true love is and compassion and empathy and all of those things that I can carry on to teach Jude. So, yeah, I think I would thank my nanny for being a legend. <laughs> is this the nanny that was 16 when she had your mum? Yeah. Can you imagine doing what you're doing now as a 16-year-old? No. Honestly, I look at her and I just... I'm in awe. And now, I never thought of it before. Yeah. And it was just her 70th birthday... At the weekend, we all went away for a, a birthday and before she was just my nanny, whereas now I'm like, you are actually amazing. Like, you know, she was a single mom, worked really hard, like she was a proper grafter, like she worked a whole life and never asked for anything off anyone. And yeah, she's just a legend. <laughs> I love that. And could you please complete these three sentences for me? The first one is being a mum means. It means carrying your heart on the outside of your body. It literally <laughs> feels like I'm walking around with the, the most precious thing. And it's just, yeah, it, yeah, you're just trying to protect it at all costs. Mm. And it's hard, but it is amazing. Yeah. Since having children, or since having a child's eye. Realise that I sort of fretted about things that didn't need to be fretted about. I think I realise now sort of like, that I'd worried about things that were tiny. Yeah. Like, things that don't even enter my brain now. In my own head, I think I just worried about... Maybe it's 100 things a day. <laughs> and now it's just, like, all the focus is on just, like, 
getting us through the day and making some memories and being happy. Yeah. I'm happy when. That's the final sentence and it fits in nicely then. When me, Scott and Jude and Bonnie sat on the couch just watching telly. Just having nothing else to think about but the love that we have for each other. I thought I loved Scott the most that anyone could love anyone. And since seeing him as a dad, I just realised that, like, it's elevated. I'm like, oh, my heart, did I have room to love you more? We literally just sit and stare at him sometimes and, like, (laughs) we made him. And that's when I'm most happiest is when we're just all together. I love that. Scarlett, thank you so much. Oh, and well you. done for having a coherent like <laughs> conversation for over an hour with, you know, hardly any sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried that I'd have baby brain and you'd ask me a question, I'd go, sorry, what was that? <laughs> <Sorry>? <laughs> I still get baby brain. Or maybe I just I, I say that it's baby brain, but my brain still does that. Don't you worry. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. We have something very exciting to talk about today. Happy mum, happy baby. Well, we are expanding. We're only releasing our very first record. Yes, move over McFly. Move over Tom Fletcher. It's all about happy mum, happy baby. We're going into music, people. We have teamed up with Decca Records and LifeScore to build a one-stop shop for quality, trustworthy educational music for baby, toddler and parent. Music is such a massive part of our family and I'm so thrilled with what we've created. I can't wait for you to hear it. Now, it's worth saying that all the sounds on the album, they are played by real instruments and they feature real nature sounds. There is nothing processed, it is all organic. And all of the music aims to be enjoyable listening experience for both the child and the parent. No plonky plonky piano, it's all just beautiful musicians with their instruments. Honestly, it's a joy to listen to. We all know the number one rule for getting your little one to sleep is to stick to a trusted routine. And my hope with this album is that our creation can be a part of that make bedtime an easier transition for all. The Ultimate Baby Sleep album is here and it encompasses three parts of baby sleep. And it runs in three sections. Wind down, going to sleep and staying asleep, running seamlessly from top to bottom for the ultimate baby sleep experience. And each section lasts around 30 minutes. So let's delve into each section and tell you what they're about. The wind down is a perfect calming music for bath time and any other pre-bed activity. This encourages special bonding time between parent and baby to prepare sleep. The melodies I've chosen to feature within the music have a very special place within my own experience of sleep routine. I loved singing little ditties or little lullabies and and this it's just got that lovely gentle melodic feeling to it. The melodies can be easily hummed by parents to capture the bonding power of a parent's voice and actually as you listen to the music you might even catch a few melodies of some traditional classics that were just Ah, they just fill my heart with such love. The next section we have is called Going to Sleep. How we created this was so interesting and I absolutely loved the recording process to kind of really feel that breath actually of the musicians as they were playing. 
It also features natural sounds and it entwines the lullabies from the previous wind down to encourage baby to nod off at their own pace and in a relaxed state of mind. Those two sections, they kind of work together and they build. We've found that this is the ideal transition for baby to acknowledge that it is now time to go to sleep. And then the next section, the final section, is during sleep or staying asleep. I like to call it staying asleep because that's the dream, people. But it provides 30 minutes of natural and environmental white noise derived from nature sounds. And then actually this leads into an additional nine and a half hours of natural white noise for babies to prefer continuous white noise once asleep. No waking up in the middle of the night to press a little button on a sheep. Not anymore. There's been so much thought and love poured into these tracks. We've gone through so many different versions. I've pulled on the music that I love, that makes me feel nice and calm. And together with LifeScore and Decca Records, we've really created something that I feel is really magical. I've played it to my kids. They love it. I'm so thrilled. <laughs> Could you imagine they didn't? And actually, I have to say that even as an adult, sitting at my desk and listening to different versions, I have often fallen asleep in the best way, in a very contented way way. Some might call it work, some might call it a nice little nap. Either way, I loved it and it was all because of this album. With 12 hours of continuous music to help your baby sleep through the night, we are so proud to introduce you to Happy Mum, Happy Baby, The Sleep Album. I can't wait for you to hear it and then for you to tell me how you're getting on. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.